Welcome, you're listening to RUF at the University of Oklahoma. This parable we're going to read tonight is known as one of the simplest, least complex stories out there. Easy to understand, but hard to apply. So with that said, let's read it, let's go to it, and we'll, we'll tackle it tonight. So we're looking at Matthew 18, starting in 21 and 22 to give us a little bit of context. Context is very important. We're going to look at that, and then we're going to read this parable from 23 on to the end. 35. So here's the word of God. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one uh, was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees. <clears throat> the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything." And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him. A hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So this servant, so his fellow servant, fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay that debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Man, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. May add his blessing to tonight. Let's pray before we get started. Our Father in heaven, you are good to us. Uh, would you speak to us, uh, speak to our, uh, our, our own hypocrisy in our hearts tonight, our own uh, saying we believe things and then not doing it, our own um, apathy to your gospel? Would the gospel so overwhelm our hearts tonight that we would be transformed, that we would not walk in or walk out of here the same as when we walked in, but we would be different, profoundly different, that we would be a group of people who say, me too, Uh, people who get it, people who are getting it, people who are striving to get it. Um, Lord, we need your spirit to do that. We need your spirit to take these words written and, uh, and, and apply them and help us to experience them even now. Uh, as we as we read them and look at them on the page and, and take notes and, and run through our lives and apply them, we need your spirit to help us to understand. Uh, would you write these truths in our hearts, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so as I'm thinking through this, um, I, I think the question we've got here is there's a, there's a, the kingdom is like a king who went to settle accounts with his servants, with a servant, and then it's a great big deal that he forgives him, and then there's all these servants and how they respond to that. That's kind of the story. That's what's going on here, is servants and a king and debtedness, okay? So 
indebtedness. And so the question I want you to think about in your mind as we look at that story is does God mandate that I, if I follow Him, become a merciful, forgiving, and patient person? Is that a requirement to be in this kingdom? Is it a requirement to forgive people when they offend me? And so Peter, in the first two verses, seems to want to put a salary cap on that, okay? Uh, Because there's got to be a limit. Surely, God doesn't require us to keep on forgiving. There's got to be a ceiling, some kind of bottom where we can just get, like, wrap up the, the, the demands that God gives us about forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is best understood in financial terms. And it's no, there's no accident that Jesus starts teaching on forgiveness with a story about money, indebtedness. So forgiveness is like taking a hit on your bank account when you forgive. Okay, you have to, you have to suck that up. So when you're out with your, with your buddy or your friend and, 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 and you order food and you can't pay for it, someone's got to pay for it. Either you're going to pay for it, um, your campus minister's going to pay for it, your fr- somebody has to do it, or the restaurant has to pay for it. That's forgiveness. Someone's taking on a debt for you. That's what forgiveness looks like. It's costly. It, you have to pay something for it. Um, again, this is a simple thing but stinking hard to apply to us in our lives. You mean I've got to forgive radically? Well, let's look at the debt. Okay, the first debt, verse 24, was 10,000 talents. And so you may take out your calculators and start calculating what that is. And you have no idea, because I didn't have any idea until I read about in the commentaries. What is that? What is a talent? A talent is a measurement of weight, actually. And it's, it's either measured in gold, silver, or copper, so according to whatever material it is, it's going to be 60 to 90 pounds. You mechanical engineers with your material science ought to know stuff like that, right? 60 to 90 pounds. Um, and so 10,000 talents would be dun, 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 204 metric tons. That's a lot. It's a very heavy weight. And that would equal to 6,000 denarii. Or I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry. Uh, one talent would equal 6,000 denarii, which... That's 60 million denarii. Now, a denarii is a day's wage. So we're talking 60 million days' wages, okay? That's 6 times 10 to the 7th power day's work, if you're doing exponential notation. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of math going on at you, right? I just got out of math and physics. Okay, we're going to move on from that, okay? I don't want to... Where am I? Is this RUF or is this physics? Okay, um... A hundred, you know, how, you know how long that would take to pay off? Just 164,000 years, okay? That's a long time to, to pay off a debt. Uh, in the day, you could, you could buy a slave for 500 denarii to uh, uh, 2,000 denarii, okay? And, and, and it would cost 164,000 years of denarii to pay this debt. Okay, the annual salary of the richest man in the day, King Herod, was 900 talents. Okay, so we're talking, the debt was 10,000 talents. I mean, King Herod doesn't even have that, ca- that much cash on hand. Okay, this is an infinite debt. No one's ever going to be able to pay it. And so this man pleads for patience, pleads for mercy, pleads for forgiveness, and the king wipes the debt free. It's an amazing story. I mean, like, you think of the fortune this, this king loses by not 
collecting on the debt. Not that the guy could pay it anyway, but the guy defaults and he accepts it and forgives him. Okay. So then this servant goes out and there's a man who owes him a hundred denarii, a fellow servant, which is about three and a half months of work. So we're talking 164,000 years versus three and a half months. Okay, that's a, that's a, that, the, the, if you weigh those in the balance, one's way more than the other, right? The guy in the story knew mercy, of course, because his debt was forgiven, but he could not show it. He didn't know how to show mercy. He had, he didn't, he had that ability, you'd think, after having this amazing debt wiped free, but he didn't, he didn't exhibit it in his own life. And so, why do we even now not know, even though we know what that looks like, we've seen mercy in movies and, and even in our lives, we find it hard to go out and show mercy to others. I think of Karate Kid Part 2, actually, you know, if you've ever seen this. Um, yeah, Karate Kid Part 2. Uh, the very beginning of Karate Kid Part 2, like, so the Cobra Kai is like the, 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 the archetypal, it's the, it's the worst bad guys you can ever be. They're, they're so bad. And I know there's been a, a, a video going around explaining how actually Danielson is the bad guy. If you've seen this, it's hilarious. But he's not the bad guy. He is absolutely destroyed by the Cobra Kai's all throughout the movie, and he wins at the end. Okay, so in the beginning of part two, Cobra Kai sensei, um, John Kreese, um, takes Johnny, who is the bat, big bad guy who, who loses to Daniel's son, and starts beating him up in the parking lot. And so, like, if anybody deserves justice, it's a martial arts sensei who is beating up a kid, a high school kid, in the parking lot, Right? And so Mr. Miyagi tries to steps up, and then you know through misdirection, um, Cobra Kai Sensei punches through two different win- like windows of a car, and is left there bloodied. And Mr. Miyagi is going to bring the death blow down on him, and you're like, yes, <laughs> kill him, like, get him. Like I, I, if you've seen it, you want him to kill him. He is terrible. And then what does Mr. Miyagi do? He honks his nose and leaves him to think about his actions, right? And I and you haven't seen Karate Kid Part Nine, but. But, but John Kreese becomes a great missionary, you know, and he's like out doing wonderful things. Um, and you, no, that's where you hope it ends. Um, all right. But that's not the story I wanted. I wanted justice. Something in our hearts cries out for justice, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you want Mr. Miyagi to, to whack him and not um, give him the, the nose honk and show mercy. So why does the king in the story give the guy the nose honk? Okay, because that's that's beautiful. It's wonderful. Uh, we always root for for of course the Avengers to win in the movie, right? Avengers two. Those of you who saw that this week, you don't want Ultron to win, right? You don't want chaos and disorder in the in the world and, and oppression. You always want you all, and and so when, when we're in that movie, we none of us identify with Ultron. We always think we're Captain America or Iron Man in the story. Uh, we're always trying to restore order in our lives. And that's the same way um, with, uh, with, I think, all of us, is that we feel like we are kind of the good guys, and everybody else out there is the bad guys. So uh, we have order, and then people threaten it, so we try to, we try to um, make that right again. So think of it uh, in your life, like the unfair professor, okay? That guy's very hard to forgive, right? Um, the unfair parent, uh, who is very hard to forgive. I mean, they want to they implement curfews on you. I mean, when you go home, and there's just... That's just not fair, okay? Unfair roommates, okay? They, you know, like mess up your room and it's hard to, it's hard to deal with them. Um, they, you know, their alarm goes off every morning 900 times and you're trying to sleep in because you're on class that day and they're not fair and it's hard to forgive that person and show them mercy. Um, you think about friends who used to be friends who betrayed your trust. It's hard to forgive those people, 
we can go on and on and on and on about how it, there's so many times in our life where showing mercy and forgiveness is hard because we're not about mercy, we're about justice when it comes to other people. But what about when we're the offender, right? What about then? We're not so fast to call for justice or mercy, uh, but, but mercy are we? We're not, we, don't, we don't like justice when we're the ones who are in the, not in the power position. When we're John Kreese and Mr. Miyagi's above us, we're crying out, mercy, mercy. Um, we beg for, like, I, let me just, one example. Um, you do this all the time. You, you will beg for a higher grade if you have an 89.5, won't you? Everyone thinks it's right to get the higher grade when you have an 89.5 because of rounding up, right? Everyone gets that. You try to do the least amount of work possible, get the 90%, and you miss it, and you get 89.5, and you're like, well, obviously he should, the professor should capitulate to the rounding up, right? We just assumed we're entitled to mercy. He's leaving because he's like, that is right. <laughs> he's remembering he's got to do that. Yeah, okay. He's going to talk to the professor right now. Um, you, you, you do realize that A is 90% and not 89.5, okay? Um, th- that's a huge blind spot. But we feel like we're entitled to the rounding up. And a professor gets that too. You know, a professor, they feel the pressure because we're entitled to that mercy. We feel like we're entitled to it. But if they deny that extra half point roundup, they're going to get blasted on ratemyprofessor.com. Um, they're going to get blasted when you're talking about them when you get out of the class. They're going to get blasted on social media. They're going to get blasted on official evaluations unjustly. Uh, plus, they can sense that you're actually cussing them out in your mind. Like, that's all happening. Um, and so we demand mercy for ourselves, but we don't give it. We're schizophrenic when it comes to justice and mercy. We don't give it, but we demand it. Okay, so, and that's why we're, because we're Captain America. We're heroes, but everyone else there, out there is the idiots or the bad guys. Um, we are heroes, we may be flawed and tragic, but we're always the hero in the story which is going on in our minds. And why is this? Why are we the heroes? It's because we know ourselves. Uh, we understand. We have weaknesses. We have flaws that cause us to sin against people. Sin against our friends. Um, our, our minds are familiar with our behavior that we justify it. We rationalize it. You make excuses for it. I always go easy on me, but I don't go easy on you. That's our story, all of us. It's always the boss's fault. He should have cut me slack. It's always about the the landlord because he's demanding rent on his time and not mine. Um, How can we change, though? How can we change? We've got, I think, our natural inclination to change and become more merciful and less demanding of payment for ourselves is to do something about it. We come up with strategies to, to get better at mercy, to work at it. So we work hard. Uh, one thing would be to f- figure out where bond is, you know, and figure out, hey, what are some mercy I can do? You know, this bond guy, this mythical character we mentioned in the, in the announcements. Like, if I could just find bond, he would help me to know mercy. All right? What about when I, I could mentor elementary kids? That would help me to be more merciful, Right? Uh, if you want to know about more of that, about that, I can give you some stuff to, to learn about that. OU Cousins, which our Square Dance caller mentioned when he was uh, doing Square Dance. He was advertising for that. OU Cousins, good thing. Big event, um, Soonerthon. Um, you got, I mean, work with our local food bank. I mean, uh, hunger is a br- big problem. Uh, work with those who are, who are caught up in sex trafficking in Oklahoma City. It's a huge problem. Um, work with homeless people. Um, 
you don't have to go very far to find mercy needs. Like international students um, can use your help in figuring things out and, and learning, learning the language and, and, and helping them with their classes. Uh, there's no shortage of mercy needs, okay? Uh, talk to our cultural director, okay? He could help you connect with some things, okay? No shortage of needs. And the Bible says to do things to benefit others, to, to, to do mercy. It's big on that. It commends that. But Colossians 2 says that those things, while very great, have no power to change you. Simply the doing of things is not going to be the thing that will change you. What is needed? The gospel is needed. That The truth that Jesus was cursed for your sins and that you can be forgiven simply by grace through faith in Jesus. Through Confessing, I'm a sinner, Jesus had to die for me, I'm that bad. And, he, and the reason he accepts me is nothing I do, but simply by believing in him and turning to him. That's, that's, that's the gospel. So the, the, the story we just read, that servant in that story, is like a joke. I mean, it's like 164,000 year debt forgiven in an instant. And that guy walks away from that unchanged. And he bullies a guy for a tiny debt, throws him in jail. In context, that is a joke. No one should ever behave like that, right? After that kind of grace and that kind of mercy, to not show mercy, it's unbelievable. It's like one of those epic fail videos you see all the time. Like, what an idiot. Okay, you can't believe this guy is trying to do that. It's like the like the every redneck joke. Like, hey, look, what, hey, y'all, watch this. Okay, like, 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 it's like it's just a big. I'm sorry, sorry, Nick. So there's like like this. This is like a big fool. I mean, it's like it, it, this, Jesus is telling a hyperbolic story about something. This, this could never happen, right? Happens every day. You and me, we all do this. We've, those of us who are in Christ have been forgiven such an infinite debt, and we want to extract debt, debts out of everybody else in our lives. We bully people for tiny debts. We're slow to forgive for tiny debts. If you do the simple math, you think about infinite debt against an infinite God, Small debts caused by others against me, okay? Getting that, getting that reality of our spiritual reality before God crushes our entitlement. It crushes our entitlement. It lifts up our humility. It lifts our humility and it brings us self-forgetfulness. We're not concerned about getting what is due us. And I'll tell you guys, the essence of leadership is mercy, the essence of leadership is sacrifice. Sacrificing our rights for others, sacrificing our lives for others. Uh, you think about any kind of leader, it's about sacrifice. That's what this campus is ought to be teaching you to do, is to be a leader, to give for others. That's why you're, you're here to grow. You're here to become a leader for tomorrow. I don't know how anybody can follow anybody who's not a leader, who hasn't gotten this. How can you follow somebody who's in it for themselves? This guy doesn't get it. Do we get it? The gospel here kills yours and my illusion of strength. You're not a strong person. I'm not a strong person because I'm a weak person. I am infinitely in debt. Okay? God knows, but the good news is, is that God knows my weaknesses better than I do. Yet his love for me, even this day, has never been stronger than it is ever. It's stronger today as strong as it, as it is when I'm doing right, when I'm doing wrong. 
It's always there because of Jesus. That's the gospel. He knows all of my weaknesses, yet his love never fails. That's it. I'm trying to illustrate this. There's a story I love about a missionary named Joseph Damien. Um, He had one of the cushiest jobs ever. He was a missionary to Hawaii. Where do I sign up for that mercy ministry, right? Missionary to Hawaii. Well, it sounds great, right? But he was uh, serving on the island of Molokai, which is the leper colony, right? So the story just took a turn, didn't it? Okay, not as good as you thought it was. So he's in Hawaii, but he's on the leper colony, right? So the story goes that when leprosy came to the Hawaiian Islands, those who were infected were treated pretty cruelly. They were rounded up, dumped on that island, Molokai, on a sandbar, and so there's the ocean on one side and there's mountains on the other. It's kind of like a natural prison. And there were, the crews on the ships who would carry the lepers out there wouldn't want to interact with them, so they'd like, kind of make them jump overboard, like walk the plank, jump overboard, and then they'd throw all their stuff out at them. And they'd have to like, swim to shore and grab their stuff. So uh, they'd throw their belongings overboard, they'd swim, and then so when the doctors would come from the other islands to, to examine them, they, would not, they wouldn't interact with them. Either. They would be examined from across the room, and they would leave medicine on the table and get out of there before they touched them. No one would touch them. So when Joseph Damien shows up at Molokai, he sees people treated like animals. They're just waiting to die. They're sitting there waiting to die. What did he do? He didn't treat them like animals. He treated them like people. He gave them hope. He bandaged up their wounds. He touched them. He built a church for them uh, and with them. He started a choir with them. He helped people plant gardens there. Um, he served them for years. So one morning, he's preparing his coffee, or his, actually his cup of tea, and he spills hot water on his, on his toes. And he can't feel it. And he realized, okay, like he's been working with these guys long enough to know, like, that's a sure sign of leprosy, is that I have no feeling in my toes. And so then he takes the whole pot of scalding water and he pours it on his feet. And he feels nothing. And so the, that morning he goes out to speak to the people and he says, we lepers. At that moment, the congregation understood the work of Christ in a brand new way. They understood that God loved them enough to give His Son to bear their infirmities, to take on their sickness, so they might be well. And so, I don't know if you knew this, but in the House of Representatives, Washington, D.C., uh, there is a hall within the House of Representatives that has two statues from every state. And it's, it's a statue that's supposed to embody the values of the state. And one of the statues in the hall is... Joseph Damien, the missionary, right there in Washington, D.C., a picture of Christ-like sacrifice, a picture of mercy, a picture of taking on a great debt, a picture of Jesus, a picture of Jesus' follower, statue of mercy. When is the world going to believe that wonderful gospel? What's when you and me are willing to work like that, actually, to give our lives for somebody else? To, to give up our rights. Mercy is beautiful. That's a beautiful story. And so you can't be short-term memory with this gospel. You know, God says to you, when you come to Him ashamed, He says, what sin? What sin? It's not because He's forgetful. He's not short-term memory. We're, we forget things all the time. He doesn't forget things. The Bible says that he who sins is cursed. In Galatians 3, it says that curse is everyone who sins, 
but Jesus bore the curse in his body on the tree. Okay? God remembers your sins are forgiven because Jesus bore the curse. So Jesus in heaven walks with your scars, the scars from us. He wears our shame so we don't have to walk in it anymore. We don't have to wear it. And that's, 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 that's God's grace. That's the gospel. That's the glory. That's the forgiving the infinite debt kind of gospel. It's all a picture of that. If you walk with Jesus, you and I have got to forgive others when they sin against us because that's the way, that's, that's our very definition of our relationship with God. The, that, you know, a person like this guy, servant number one in this story, doesn't exist. He's like a leprechaun riding a unicorn. He does not exist. He, it, this, this person cannot exist. You can't be that kind of person. I can't be that kind of person. It can't exist. You have to have zero memory, right, to, to act like this. If you're characterized as a non-forgiver, but you're forgiven by Christ, then you can't be called a Christian. So the call to you is to believe the gospel. The call to you is to confess your sins, ask God to forgive you, and to welcome you home only for the sake of Jesus Christ and His righteousness and blood. But if you are a Christian and you struggle with forgiveness like me, say, me too. We're in this together. It's only those who who have who have like Damien have said, yeah, me too. We lepers, only those who've received this can give it. Only ones who've taken on this, I am not strong. I am weak. I need Christ. Can can start to give forgiveness. It's a call like it was to Peter in the very beginning of this. He says, "Have no limit on your forgiveness. Look at this story." You can't have a long list of debts. You can't. You can't say, you can't be keeping up a list uh, like that little uh, Arya Stark in Game of Thrones, the people who wronged you, those of you who like that. Um, you can't just say, who did you wrong? Who are you going to get? Who owes you? The gospel is freedom to forgive debts, to have a short-term memory with others against you who hurt you because you have a sharp memory of what God says about you. A short-term memory with others and what they've done against you, but a sharp memory of what God says about you and Jesus. And how is it that mercy is yours, that infinite mercy is yours? It's through faith. It's an invitation to believe it. It's an invitation to say, look, I've messed up again, but my worth, thankfully, is not in how well I've done. It's in what Jesus has accomplished for me on the cross. When When he looks at me and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let me care for them. Let me love them. Let me, let, me, let me give my life for them. That's my joy. To know the joy of somebody who cancels your debts is wonderful. To say, I am free of that gives you all the freedom you need. You don't have to walk in that anymore. Let's, let's pray, and if there's questions, we'll take those.